Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host Joey. No chill, Prano. <laughs> hey, man, cover that mouth when you cough in the COVID. The 420 episode, Andy. <coughs> you had me smoking this joint. I wanted to get it. I wanted to get it lit. It's lit before this episode started. And now I've smoked half a joint before we even went live. And here we are, 420, in 420, April of the year 2020, on the date, 420, mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing the mind blown. And we we have a uh, a returning intern. A return. Yeah, I was going to try to turn that into one word because they share our syllable, but no luck. A intern, return, an intern, return. Return, I think. Twerks. We're wolves. Aaron Maharis, welcome back. Glad to be back, fellas. Um, Yeah, happy 420. Thanks for reaching out. Andy, like a father in quarantine, refused to have both of his children here simultaneously. So you got sent to the bench. And <laughs> Nick was here. We had we had one episode where you guys crossed out over, right? One or two? I think yeah. I think I, the, I think the last time I was here, we were both here, and I was on the bed just chilling. But which, see that, was, which already was just a slap in the face by the Jerry Krause of the Dirty Sports Podcast. <laughs> here, you you lived at that you lived at that desk for oh, really? months, and then the new kid in town shows up, and you're sitting on the end of the bed like you're Vince. Well, Look, I mean. I mean I mean, I'm not saying, look, Andy Ruther built this dynasty, but also, like Jerry Krause, seems to be really trying to just tear it down. Look, Joe, obviously, I love Aaron. He's been great. Best intern we've had, I'll just say it. Nick's not an intern for the 400th time. Nick is a paid staff member. There's a difference. But they're also, like Aaron said, he had to be on my bed. I mean... I felt bad. Like, there's not enough room here. This is why we need a dirty sports compound. Yeah, it should have been. It should have been twerks at the desk. Nick in Nick's nook, like on the floor, like a dog in the dog bed. Do, serious question, okay? Do you think we could do a whole podcast if we did a podcast and I never woke Nick up? Could we do a podcast around Nick because he can sleep through anything? Uh, it sure seems like we could have. Yeah. yeah. Right. By the way, I just had a vision of the Manscaped shirt that's right here falling, landing on the joints because it's 420, catching fire, setting the Miller Lite thing on fire, and just the whole podcast literally going down in flames. You're stoned already. Yeah. It's 420, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I've been smoking far more weed lately than I have oh, yeah. in the past. I mean, the quarantine, certainly a factor, but like for me... Weed has always been good for like cleaning and organizing, writing, getting creative. I have a hard time sleeping on it, which is why I don't smoke at night anymore. But now I can just get stoned and watch movies till six in the morning because I have nothing to get up for. So weed is great. Get up, have it in the morning, make a little coffee, do some work, 
settle into a middle portion of the day, maybe a movie, maybe a reorganizing the closet, you know, and then uh, another movie. Next thing I know, it's 6 a.m. We fall asleep. We do it again at 1130. Yeah, it's it really is. Again, it's it's, it's a good drug. I don't even want to use the term drug. It is. It, the, I mean, it is a drug. Well, 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 I'd like to reference an old Cat Williams stand up bit. You know, I'm a big fan of Cat Williams where he's like. It's just a plant that when you light it up makes you feel better. <laughs> That's basically what it is. I like that you're holding it like it's the first time you've touched a nipple in your entire <laughs> life. You're just holding it over here like being like, being like how do these work? So, you, so I can milk these? This is going to be a good episode. I can feel it. These are good joints, man. Yeah, this is this not a sponsor, but Lowell Smokes. This like packet of joints. It's like a... It's like a thick cardboard box with a magnet that seals it closed. Yeah. It's got matches and a lighter, or it's got matches in in the box. So I got... Pretty solid. I got this They're at... Like little little cigars. I got it at Green Goddess, the dispensary across the street from me. And uh, I know it's not the cheapest over there, but it's convenience. Yeah. And they also have a rewards program. Which sure. I love. <laughs> Most pot shops do. Do all pot They're shops? Like, yeah, you spend four twenty, man. You get twenty bucks free. <laughs> They're like, sick, dude. I'll come back next time. They're like, bro, we got these punch cards. If you get gummies, buy ten bags of gummies. The eleventh are free. Meanwhile, every pothead goes home with a bunch of fucking punch cards, and it's like, man, I gotta get my, gotta get my free gummies. Yeah, they really get you. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's, it's the mo- CVS model. Yeah. Except they don't give you the long receipts because everybody who smokes weed is like, yeah, we're a paper-free environment. The only papers we sell are for rolling joints. Do you think at some point people are going to use their CVS receipts for toilet paper? You are the only person I know in the history of planet Earth. There's literally a hundred comedians' jokes about CVS receipts. You're the only guy who, when he gets his CVS receipt, like looks at it and is like coming home and snipping it out with scissors and like, feeding it back into your wallet so that when you go to CVS, you have like coupons. I'm like, you're not, you don't just make this into the biggest paper ball of all time and Kobe on your way out of CVS. No man, because like I've never seen CVS coupon guy. Well, here's why, because a lot of times you get money off. Like I currently in my wallet have a $3 off and a $4 off. That's $7 off my next purchase at CVS. I think if well, you, uh, hold on, hold on. Why would I not Want to save seven dollars, especially because I'm broke right now, given the current state of the economy. Why would I not want to save seven dollars? So, my girlfriend has taken it the next step. I believe she has the CVS app, where if you have that, then when you check out, it'll just put all those coupons onto your app. Yeah, and you never have to hold on to the scarf that they give you, the the <laughs> Europe the European soccer scarf. I call it the Dead Sea Scrolls. I I, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you should start making an outfit out of them since you're keeping them. You should just get a pile in here, and we should have it sewn into a suit for you. Uh, I believe it'll all go on your app, and then you can just show them your app or give them your phone number, and then you don't need to carry yeah. the mummified remains of but I think Aaron, common. Aaron already can't open his eyes. Yeah. Twerks. The, the eyes over there are very squinty. That's why I wear sunglasses it, yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's... it's uh... Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty pretty fucking high already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to say, I uh, I respect you for the 
the CVS, like the commitment to, to being frugal and careful with your money. I, I wish I wasn't as lazy and was like, I'm down to do that because that is smart. But like every time I get it, I do what Joe does, crum- crumple it up, fuck it. I mean, they're counting on it. But they're also just like, it's unbelievable that they go with the industrial toilet paper roll for a receipt. And it's all justified by Andy being like, well, if I come back and I get some Dove soap, it's it's just like the weed company. Well, again, why would I? You love your rewards points. You live on rewards points. Oh, I love them. I love rewards points. I am so excited when Costco finally... Andy's at Green Goddess getting his weed, going through his CVS receipts. They're like, sir, this is a different store. You're... Your rewards. I uh, I have a hundred and twenty dollars off my next Costco purchase. Hundred and twenty dollars because I get two percent back being a platinum member. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the next time I go there, and it's chaos out here. You can't even get in a Costco. I get, dude. Think about that. I could go in there, hundred twenty dollars off. It's amazing. Is Walt like this? Oh yeah! If you go on Walt's bunker, does he have a lot of? If, does he have five different whiteboards and a stack of CVS re- receipts? No, but Walt he's, he's got a lot of spreadsheets. Walt, he's like, you know, I put I put you boys' food eating into a spreadsheet, and I figured out with the amount of meat that we're eating every week, we either got to do a a butcher box subscription, or we're gonna have to get a a, a TJ's card, BJ's card. <laughs> I feel like you must have gotten this from your dad. Uh, or my mom. My mom was always a uh, a penny pincher too. Coupon cutter. Yeah, not a, a total coupon cutter. So she was the coupon cutter. My dad was just tight to this day. Like my dad is so like it's embarrassing. Like there have been times where he won't order a beer if he's somewhere like in L.A. or New York because are you kidding me? That much money for a Miller Lite? I, I'm I'm a little bit that way, honestly, out of principle, especially when it comes to beer, like at a bar or at a baseball game or whatever, when they're just trying to just trying to rape you. I will always like I'm gonna be like, there's gotta be some angle here. There's gotta be some special. Yeah. I've gotta find the hole. Cause I'm not gonna not drink, but we just gotta make this work. For a while I was like, you know, rum in a uh, you know, a sunscreen bottle. To, to Dodgers game and just fire that into a Coca-Cola because coming to the ballpark, I'm going to get drunk. But this $11 or 18 if you want to make it a michelada, I'm like, well, of course I'm going to make it a michelada. Now I'm paying $20 a beer. Um, it's ridiculous. But I feel like your mom and dad with with the five boys. I mean, they had to be. I feel like the coupons are like, your mom's like, we're getting Cheerios today. You're like, you mean Cheerios? Like, no, nah, these are ooze. They're forty percent cheaper, and it comes in the industrial box. I'll just put it down on the floor for you boys, like it's dog food, and you guys just go to town. Oh yeah, I remember. You know Gladstones on the PCH? Yeah. Very like touristy spot. I went there. My parents only were out here together one time, and we go to Gladstones. And for anybody who doesn't know, it's right on the PCH, so right along the highway in Malibu. You're looking at the water, and my dad saw what they wanted for – no lie. It was a Miller Lite. I'm not just saying that because they're our sponsor. My dad saw what they wanted for a Miller Lite. It was like 6 bucks. I mean, overpriced, but whatever. Yeah, but standard. Standard. That, that, that's not overpriced for L.A. Yeah. This is regular. So he refused to order a drink 
And my mom purposely kept ordering them to piss him off. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I'm watching this exchange of like my mom continues to order Miller Lights just to make the bill go higher. And she's like, Walt, it's vacation. We're in Los Angeles. Like, and then I'm watching this whole back and forth. And that was always the thing. Because at the time I was working at Hotel Oceana and my dad, I swear to God, I think he brought my mom there three times because as an employee, they got 50% off. Family got 50% off. And on top of that, the chef would, you know, make stuff for free. Yeah. So Walt was just such a, just a cheap guy. I mean, not to disparage my dad, but like, come on. Yeah. I mean, Walt makes a good point, though. And I'm not just saying this because they're our sponsor, but like Miller Lite doesn't have to cost $6. Don't go to a bar and get $6 Miller Lights. Go to the store and get 30 Miller Lights and drink them at your leisure at home, especially during this time of quarantine. You know? Yeah. Imagine, just think about that. That's that's the pre-quarantine days when people would do that. They would just go out to a bar and pay $6 for a Miller Lite. I think that this quarantine might be good. It might, like gas prices, it might bring down beer prices. Oh, I, I think people it. are going to start bringing, I'm going to start bringing 12 packs of Miller Lite to the bar with me. I'm going to be like, tell me I can't. What are you going to do? Touch me? I'll cough on you. <laughs> like, Ooh, let's go. I like it. Like, post, I, I just can't see us going back to a world where I can't bring my own beer anywhere I want. I'm traveling with a 12-pack of Miller Lite in a backpack right now. Everywhere the, I go, I have at least 11. The cough on someone is so true. I keep saying there's never been a better time to talk shit to somebody that you know could kick your ass. Like police officers, apparently, Andy? Ooh. Are we going to talk about your run-in with the LAPD? Yeah, let's do it. Obviously, we're going to get to some sports. We're going to do a full breakdown of The Last Dance, episodes one and two. But before we do that, we should get to my run-in with uh, the L.A. County Sheriff. You are, like, let me see if I get this right. You're basically one of those guys that we see on the news who's got the signs, who's like, I demand you let the people free. No, I'm not one of those people. But I am a person who sees hypocrisy, sees inconsistencies with not only our law makers, our law enforcers, and as you know, it's been kind of boiling up for me. I got a parking ticket helping you while you're still on crutches, helping you carry luggage in for yeah. five to seven minutes last month. I've seen LAPD do nothing, so they put sand in the skate parks, even though there is literally a police station right there. If you don't want people going to the skate parks, which I don't really care about, then enforce it. So, I've, again, I've seen just the inconsistencies. And I'm getting sick of tape being up in areas that I think are perfectly fine that people should be allowed to go to. And I told you last week, I yes, I'll just say it on there. I have run through at night when I've done some of my runs. Oh, you want to put tape up there? Fuck you. I'm running through it. So Saturday afternoon, are you doing like uh, are you doing like Olympic style finishes? Like if this is what I was committed to, then I would be doing that. I'd just be running around town, and then every time you see police tape, you want to get through. It's just like break the tape at the line. Just give me the Usain Bolt. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going through, bro. Full force. Let's go take him down. Full force. So then, a uh, police officer said, "Well, hold on. Let me you can't walk here. Let, let me explain the whole story. So Saturday, I'm running through Marina Del Rey, and it's packed. 
It's the sidewalks are packed. I don't like. I don't feel safe going on the sidewalks. There's so many people. You talk about social distancing. By the way, I'm I I do that. I obey the law. I I social distancing. I'm doing all that stuff. I don't go out unless I need to, whether it's exercise or the grocery store. It's basically the only times I go out. So the sidewalks are packed, and there's a lot more street traffic on Admiralty Way. So I can't run on the street. You know, speed limit's 45 there. Cars are zipping by. At this point, I'm building up three miles of running through this and frustration and people who don't move out of the way. When you see I'm moving, I try to move as far as I go. But if you're walking, just get the fuck out of my way. So this leads to I get to the farmer's market where the Cheesecake Factory is. There's a parking lot. They do a farmer's market every Saturday. They're still doing a farmer's market. Again, they have signs. Practice social distancing. A farmer's market is not social distancing. Plain and simple. Do you agree? Yeah. So I see this, and I see giant caution tape up, and there's a police car there on the giant sidewalk next to Mother's Beach, which is a very small beach in the marina. I mean, it's not even really a beach. Yeah. It's just on the marina. It's a little water area. Disgusting, filthy pollution water with sand. Exactly. That goes into it. It's maybe 100 yards. I see the cop car there. I see the caution tape. I see a cop car at the other end. I said, at this point, I'm kind of like, fuck it. I'm jumping over. I want to see how this plays out. So you took, you knew what you were doing. I knew what I was doing. In my head, I'm thinking, I today, I made the decision before I Must did. Must be nice, Andy. Must be nice to be a white guy in America. It's true. <laughs> I knew I had that benefit. I mean, a, a black guy does that. There's cops on both sides. It's just like, died. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I had that benefit. Crossfire. I had that benefit. I'm not denying that. But I made the decision when I leaked that police tape, I'm willing to get arrested today. I don't give a shit anymore. My life's been too boring. I haven't had I haven't had handcuffs around me for a minute. Like I- I'm ready. So I leap over it. It was like I was doing the hurdles in the Olympics. I leap over it. I'm chugging along. I'm I'm like three miles in my run. I'm feeling great. Out of nowhere, cop comes from the other end running towards me. And he's holding up the stop to go back. But I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to run towards him. Like, I'm doing some reckless decisions. And I run up towards him. He does have a mask on. He does have gloves on. He tells me, put my hands up. I got to take my AirPods out. I'm in my, you know, full runner outfit. Runner shirt, runner shorts, uh, he instantly hands up, hands behind your back. He instantly he he frisks me, which I thought was hilarious. How old am I have a like runner shorts? You know, my balls are basically hanging out. They're short runner shorts. He frisks me, makes sure I'm not strapped or carrying any weapons. Uh, he instantly handcuffs me, and I'm all before he says, "Ask you what you're doing." Yeah, hands behind your back, and then uh, he starts walking me towards the police car. And at this point, I'm I'm being polite, but I'm also being very sarcastic with him. I'm saying, "Are you gonna arrest?" I, I said, "Are you gonna arrest me for running?" And he's like, "You saw the you saw the cop car. You saw the cape. You just completely ignored it. You're just completely ignoring it." And I said, "Officer, I'm practicing social distancing." He goes, "You could go on the sidewalk." I go, "No, I can't because it's full of people." I said, I'm more unsafe on that sidewalk. And if you want me to go on the street, I did throw in a quick lie. I said, I almost got hit. Actually, it wasn't a lie because I did. I almost got hit last week on the street running. So I said, 
I said, this is the safest I'm glad area. we got this story on the 420 episode. Andy has asides. He's got every detail. He's like, I jumped a small piece of stairs. I don't know, six, eight inches high. Then I come around the corner. Okay. So you get arrested and the guy. Well, I didn't get arrested. Right. There's a difference. You got, you got cuffed. I got cuffed. And detained. He walks me to the cop car. At this point, all the farmer's market's watching. And, and you were like, fuck the police. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police. And we start talking it out, and I said, officer, this is what you have to do. I said, I said this is what you have to do. You have to watch a 100- to 200-yard stretch so that no one goes on a massive sidewalk. And he's like, I, I know. I, I basically win him over, and he's like, yeah, this is so stupid. Trust me. I don't want to be doing this. He goes, I don't want to be watching to make sure people like you don't run. But you also broke the law. And I was like, oh, the law's stupid. I literally get him to agree that this is stupid. So then he asked me if I have any priors or any warrants. And I said, no. I give him all my info. But I will say the whole time. Aren't we just lucky to not have any priors or warrants? (laughs) So he runs everything. And uh, he uncuffs me and says I can go. He no lie, even at the end, his name was Officer Sanchez. Officer Sanchez says, I hope this, I don't know if he's being sarcastic or serious. He said, I hope this didn't ruin your run today. And I had a lot of thoughts while I was cuffed outside the cop car. One was how quick can I run with my hands behind my back and I realized not far. I also, when I saw him running towards me, part of me was, I know I cannot run this guy. But in the marina, I would have nowhere to hide. Like the minute he calls back up, I'm fucked. I've been watching a lot of James Bond movies, too. So, like, all these thoughts were going through Unrelated, my head. but okay. <laughs> yeah. Unre- I was watching a lot of James Bond. So I knew I could hide behind a corner and then hit him with the butt of my Beretta. But uh, <laughs> I thought maybe, you know, I could hop over this fence right here, land on a boat in the marina, and escape by sea. I've been watching a lot of Bond, after all. You know what, though? I felt great. And part of me, even when he uncuffed me, part of me was like, I'm just going to go do it again. But I didn't. And I know me being an attention whore, I got off on like everyone watching at the farmer's market. You know, a bunch of white people buying asparagus like, oh, my God, did that guy just jump and get handcuffed for running along the beach? I mean, remember back in the day when you used to have to pay to have a group of people watch another man handcuff you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, now I get this audience for free. I'm glad I did it, and I'll be honest, I felt I feel invigorated since. Great. Now we got Andy Ruther, freedom fighter, on our hands. I'm not a freedom fighter, out. but you know what? That whole day, I felt better, and again, I needed I needed something to just excite me a little. That was that was the fi- I counted. That's the, so that's the fifth time in my life I've been handcuffed by a police officer. I've been charged with crimes. I think three three of the five times. So, no, two, only two. So I, got, I have a good rate. We have a, we have a future lawyer here on our hands with Aaron. So only of the five times I've been cuffed by, hang, by a police officer have I actually been arrested. And, uh, yeah, who knows where I'm going to run next? Now, you told me, hey, Ruther, you got out of this one, but they might shoot you next time. Yeah. I mean, everybody's a bit on edge. You also, like I joked at the beginning, but you don't want to get mixed in with the, uh, like, demand your quarantine freedoms crowd that are like just wanting to go back and doing everything and so you know 
that whole farmer's market's like, here we go, this guy. I, this is America. I shall run on the marina. But don't you see the irony? Of course. Of there's Look, a farmer's there's, market. There's, there's there's so much going on of just social like, distancing, of, of terrible, which is not. Ha- yeah, there's so many terrible decisions going on. Like you said, you know, the skate park and all that. Like, L.A. cops, they they're just they're useless, honestly, a lot of the time. And then the only time they do enforce the law is when they're enforcing sidewalk running laws. Like we keep talking about outside of your Mildred has turned into like, I mean, I wish people could really, I wish we had a camera to show the progress. It's now become somebody's abode. There are walls. Some, (laughs) there are walls. Some, some guy, there's been a jackhammer out there. I'm not sure he didn't put in a foundation. The guy has a full on tent. It looks like a farmer's market. It's bigger than my apartment. Yeah, it's bigger than my apartment for fucking sure. <laughs> He's got 325 square feet of stolen bike. You know who that is, by walls. the way? You know who that is? That's the guy who took the golf club right. to his ribs. Uh, by the way, I know his name now. Crown. That's what they call him on the street. I mean, he owns the police at this point. He like, does. He runs Venice more than the police do. He's stealing bikes. It's fine. He's put up his own buildings. No permits whatsoever <laughs> for that. He just put his put up his own accessory building on the sidewalk. It's unbelievable. And then, like, but the cops will make sure you're not jogging somewhere that you shouldn't be. Yeah, that's my point. Well, I, I've, I've, and the cops have come here and been like, oh, well, try not to burn it down again, dude. The cops came to my door. When I watched the one homeless crackhead try to stab another homeless crackhead, they came to my door. I showed two LAPD officers the footage. This was five, six weeks ago. They did nothing about it. I showed them the footage. Officer, this happened 20 minutes ago. This guy tried to stab someone. They did nothing. They are worthless. And, and that's my thing. You're a, lot, you're a lot harder on cops in general than I am. But when it comes to LAPD versus other cities, I well, I got to say, you know, it, it's amazing. But I've only really lived in New York and Los Angeles, and they're the two completely opposite styles of policing. And I think that the answer is somewhere in between. But I hated feeling like I was in a police state living in New York. That there was always a cop somewhere on every corner with a gun, ready to shoot you, ready to choke you. There's like Hella, I mean, the amount of times I've had um, undercover cops roll up on me in New York and take out badges, and you're going like, geez, how many are you? Like, in any uh, given— Undercover? Yeah. In any given bar in New York, you're like, two guys are undercover cops. We were walking. We were filming something. Guy and I—guy was shooting something. I was acting in this thing, and we were walking to do, like, a gang scene at— down by the waterfront in Brooklyn. So it's a bunch of dudes, like a bunch of white dudes, me and my friends walking with baseball bats. Six undercover cops roll up on us in cars on foot being like, we heard there's like a riot that's about to happen. I'm like, that was like, we've been outside for three minutes. Like how many cops are here? And in LA where the, the cartoon character that is a cop is the Los Angeles police department. In their cars, box of pink donuts in the middle seat. You're really going to have to beg for me to get out of this car. I might holler at you in the window. Hey, you got a permit for that tent and stolen bike operation? Yeah, I do. All right, I'll check back tomorrow. We'll see. You're not coming back. 
fat piece of shit. Like here, it's just so lax. No one ever gets out of their car. No one. And, I've and, never seen a cop on foot in Los Angeles. And you're right. I've that, seen a cop on a bike. I've seen a cop on a horse. I've seen a cop in a car. I've seen a cop on a motorcycle. But I've never seen a cop walking the beat. Well, that's the problem. Anywhere. That's the problem. This is a car-driven town, and there's no really good public transportation. So they just they instead they're too lazy to get out of their cars. Dude, I had a cop. Did I ever tell you the time I had a cop pull a gun on me in L.A.? I was on my phone driving down Mildred. This is when they instituted the no phone law, like right when it happened. I was on my phone driving down Mildred to pull into my parking garage. And a cop follows me up my ramp. And I recklessly get out of my car. I'm like, what, what is happening? He pulls his gun and he's like, get in your car. You do not get out of your car. Well, that guy wasn't afraid to get out of his car. He had his gun drawn on me. SWAT. You came across a SWAT guy enforcing some phone laws. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Again, it's unbelievable. You had a gun because you were on your cell phone while driving? And he, and he went in a high-speed chase up the Mildred ramp? As he pulled into the Mildred ramp, he almost, <laughs> he almost took out a condominium that has been built slightly off the curb by a gang of homeless savages that the LAPD, I'm, at, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point, is working with in some sort of financial operation to sell bikes to people. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. We need, we need a dirty sports investigation. I almost stole a bike from the bike thieves on Mildred the other day because I walked by them and I was like, that's a really nice bike that they don't have locked up. I know they stole it from some rich white dude who uh, like left it outside a coffee shop, but it's not supposed to be theirs. I'm going to be like, I'm going to make this right again. I almost rode off on one of their bikes. This is actually kind of funny. I just thought of it. The guy has a building that is built. The walls of the building are just stolen bikes. He just created this <laughs> stolen bike teepee. The three times I've had interactions with cops in Los Angeles since I moved here. These are pretty funny. One was that incident where the cop wanted to murder me for being on my cell phone. The second one was when I was, do you remember this a couple years ago? I was riding my bike down the boardwalk at night. And the officer pulls me over and cites me for not using the actual bike lane, which nobody uses. And now the third incidence where I, I deserved it, but I blatantly run over the do not run here and I did it. But you know what it is. You know what Adam Carolla always says? Because people keep tweeting this at me and I looked it up and I think he's right. They see me, the cops, they see money. They see white kid, you're going to pay the fine. I'm, I mean, it's they're stereotyping for sure. Yeah. But this is just, this goes back to what we were talking about. This is why I'm going to Mexico. I like my shakedowns as cash operations. Yeah. I don't need paperwork and a CVS receipt from an officer who's like, yeah, well, if you and if you get it back to us before this day, it's only seventy eight dollars. But if you get back before this day, it's ninety eight. If you don't get it back till this day, you'll see it right here on the forty percent off your next arrest uh, coupon. If you don't get it back by this date, then you do have a warrant. And the next time we you jump a line, we're gonna shoot you. So. Yeah, I like my shakedowns Mexican style. Sir, it's going to be more than that. Ah, fuck. Let's go to an ATM. I got to get back to Carlos and Charlie's. Well, speaking of shakedowns, our guy Scotty Pippen should have been shaking down Jerry Krause for some more money. 
the the Andy Ruther 420 segue into the last dance. Magical. That was a <laughs> that was a Jason Williams behind the back pass. That's a great segue into you the like last that? dance. The, yeah. The white chocolate. The last the last dance is the uh 10 part 97 98 Chicago Bulls documentary that has saved quarantine. 2 hours last night. I mean, is that your lead story, Andy? Is that the, is that your biggest takeaway from the first two episodes, the criminal underpayment of Scottie Pippen? I guess I forgot or just didn't know. I mean, that, to me, yes. The, the the lead, there's a lot of leads. We watched, like you said, two hours last night. Uncensored. Of The Last Dance. Who's the star of The Last Dance? It, number one, like who do you think is the breakaway? Well, it's the obviously, breakout. It's obviously Michael Jordan. Okay. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of characters so far. You know what I'm saying? Like, so far, uh, Roy Williams, th- that guy was just delivering heat quotes. He mean, an, an assistant coach on the North Carolina team that Jordan won. But wait, uh, I didn't know that. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Um, he's just delivering fire the whole time. So he was he was a breakout star for me. When When's the last time you think Roy Williams actually talked to Michael Jordan? I bet you they talk regularly. You think those guys do? I bet you they do. That whole North Carolina thing, and and you think that's a tight group. Yeah, and the the Jordan, um, you know, the Jordan being around Carolina, which you got to give him credit for. He has always been like, there's he, he, legends of the North Carolina Summer Games and the Vince Carters and the Stackhouse and the Sheed Wallaces and like that something that they also kind of brotherhood. Hint, yeah, the hint at that too when he hurt his foot, which we saw in the show last night. Uh, goes back. That's where he first starts playing again. This is something that he did like throughout his career. So I'm sure that like the North Carolina basketball camp, which even Roy Williams says Jordan was going to, the fact that that existed in you know '81 or whatever, um, that just shows you like imagine what North Carolina basketball camp must be now. You know, yeah, probably Roy Williams and Michael Jordan and like. Yeah, I think that's a that's a real thing. I bet you they talk all the time. I bet you they've golfed 25 times. I bet you Michael Jordan has stolen money from Roy Williams on the golf course 15 times. Come on, coach. Huh. This putt, $500. You got it. <laughs> you got it. Come on, coach. I mean, look, I, I watched those first two hours. We all wanted more. It was like you get that first taste of heroin. You're just like, I want some more. Give me some more of that last dance. I want to know about what happens next episode with Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause. I want to know. This is your second Cat Williams impression of the episode. (laughs) Cat Williams watching the last dance. What's going on? No, that wasn't Cat. It was fantastic. Uh, You know, the way it's lined up so far, basically... It, it it certainly seems like Michael Jordan is going to be the through line of the whole thing. Sure. But the whole setup and Michael Jordan episode, and then Scotty 2 is essentially, or sorry, episode 2 is essentially the Scotty Pippen truth hour, which uh, was fabulous for a lot of basketball casuals, as the term is now, uh, to learn. Like, Scotty Pippen, I think they did a great job showing how underrated Scotty Pippen was, how much the Bulls needed him, how much Michael Jordan needed him, and how much he didn't get paid. And just like the relationship and and a quick glance at like the ups and downs of his career with Chicago, 
including the the holding out slash sitting out. I mean, it was pretty baller that Scottie Pippen just even admitted, like, yeah, dude, I took vacation that summer. Like, yeah, I did put off my my surgery. I'm gonna say this on air. I said it to you in the car. I think Scottie Pippen, and this is even before the documentary, and obviously this only reinforces it. Scottie Pippen is arguably the most underrated player in the history of the NBA. I um I don't th- think a lot of people there are guys understand th- his value. Yeah, there are guys. I mean, I, I got to say, a guy that currently reminds me of Scottie Pippen uh, is Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, another guy, like because he's not the biggest star on his team, it gets looked over. And you go like he could be the star on any team. He 100 percent could. He could definitely leave and go be the Knicks' yeah. best player and get MVP votes. He's a great defender. It and and that is that is why Scottie Pippen is one of the most underrated guys of all time because that second fiddle player, no matter where you rank up against the rest of the league. It, it's almost like, well, he's not the best player on his team, so he's 32nd in the league. And you're like, no, he could be th- the third best player in the league and also just happen to be on Michael Jordan's team. Even Michael Jordan himself. It, it's funny because I think people watch these documentaries and they don't go in with an open mind and they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to see what they want to see. Michael Jordan's own words in the documentary, you can't talk Michael Jordan without talking Scottie Pippen. He said it himself. Yeah. Michael Jordan knows he was 1-9 in nine in the playoffs until Scottie got there. Yeah. He knows he never won. That series that we watched him go off against the Celtics, they got swept. So he knows he was nothing without him. Magic Johnson said the same thing. We knew when Michael entered the league, he said he was the next great thing. But we knew he needed help. And they all needed help. I mean, you know, the the preview of that series with the Celtics when they show you the four Hall of Famers on the bench uh, all together, there's a reason they boat raced Michael Jordan in back-to-back first rounds. There's a reason that Sidney Moncrief team that they show beat Jordan in the playoffs. Because, yeah, no one man could do it on their own. And then Scottie Pippen shows up, and again, it you know everybody likes to talk about you know the big three Celtics and the LeBron Heat and whatever. And I know Jerry Krause is the you know villain of these two episodes and maybe the whole documentary. But in the '90s, with when player movement wasn't the way it is today, where stars go like, well, why don't we just play together and then be the best? And some stars are like, well, if they're going to play, why don't we play? Is like. There were a lot of one-star cities. Yeah. Ewing in New York, Barkley in Philly, you know, like all around the league. David Robinson in San Antonio, uh, Clyde Drexler in Portland. Everywhere you went, there was the one guy and the team. Yeah. Michael Jordan was certainly the one guy of all the one guys, but then he also got Scottie Pippen added to his team. Everybody wants to shit on, oh, you need to build a super team. They built a super team. They built it naturally. But, like, Scottie Pippen is one of the most underrated guys, too, because he was able to end up with Chicago because of 
Jerry, I mean, the, the a draft day trade. Yeah. So, like, they went and they got a second guy, and he was a top, he was certainly a top, no doubt about it, 10 player in the league the whole time he's with Jordan. But, like, at some points, I mean, again, we were talking in the car on the way here. You can make the argument Scotty Pippen was the best all-around player on the Bulls team. You you had shared the, the Bill Simmons piece from uh, the Book of Basketball, which I read, that had him at, like, 24 or whatever, and it said... Now he's 28. Yeah. But... Playoff totals for the three three-peats. Jordan, 3,700 points. Scottie Pippen, 2,200. That's it. That's the, that's the thing that Michael Jordan leads Scottie Pippen in. Scottie Pippen has more rebounds, more assists, more steals, and more blocks in the same amount of games played. Like, if you look at it, those are the four major statistics in basketball. Michael Jordan was the Bulls' leader the Bulls MVP, the thing that made it all go, and he scored the most points. But Scottie Pippen was arguably the best all-around basketball player. Well, like, honestly, a way better defender and the guy who's defending the best player on the other team, which we've seen a million times in the NBA, takes it out of you on both ends. You're not going to score as much when you're also the lead defender. And if you can do that, you're one of these psycho people like LeBron and Jordan and those guys over the years. But Jordan didn't need to do it for most of his time. Focus on killing it on the offensive end. Also, be a big steals guy, but Scotty is going to lock down the other team's best player. Lock him down. Yeah. That's huge. I would advise everybody, go to The Ringer, and they reprint the excerpt from the book, which was written in 2009. And and Simmons hints at what I just said. Simmons hints like... You could say that. I am saying it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just people don't realize, and a lot of you younger guys, like I knew he was, re- like we knew he was really good because we grew up watching the Bulls. Again, Scottie Pippen, when he became the man for the year that Jordan was playing baseball, the Bulls lost two less games. Lost two more games. Won two less games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. He was that good, though. I mean, yeah. I and mean, he got MVP votes, and he almost beat my Knicks, uh, if not for a phantom Hubert Davis three-point foul call. And look, I'm a Knicks fan. I hate Scottie Pippen. I hate Scottie Pippen, man. He, I mean, the the dunk on Ewing, everything in terms of just locking down and being like a like a ridiculous transition player. Scottie Pippen was insanely good, and. You, as a Knicks fan, I always knew Jordan was like Jordan would play these games against the Knicks where he just like wouldn't be shooting well, and in the end, I would always be like, you know what, Scottie Pippen kept them this whole game. He's been the best player on the floor, but I know Jordan's going to hit the big shot. Yeah, and, and he was always waiting in the weeds, and that was his job was to be the killer and the killer instinct. But like again, you can't. In a way, I always joke about Eli Manning when the Giants are playing and they're getting their ass kicked. I'm like, you can't have an epic fourth-quarter comeback if you're not losing. But you can't be hitting these clutch game winners every game unless you're playing these hella close games all the time. And Jordan would play terrible, and they'd still have a chance to win because Scottie Pippen was that good. And Jordan would hit a dagger, and as a young Knicks fan, I would go into my room and I would hit things with baseball bats, and I would destroy 
you know, nice items of life that my parents spent good, hard-earned money on. Well, punch Sc- a hole in the wall. And- the the Scotty Pippen story in general is fascinating. I didn't know. I knew he went to Central Arkansas. I didn't know. This is an NAIA team. That's a fascinating story. He was the equipment manager. He didn't even start out on the team. Grows seven, eight inches. Becomes a number five overall pick. I mean, let's not forget that. Jordan was picked third. Scotty was only picked two spots after Michael Jordan. Yeah. And the biggest travesty is, is this contract thing. And, and I want to go on record and say, all you idiots out there, and all these dumb young kids, too, I noticed on social media. But, dude, like, if you're in high school or college, shut the fuck up about contract negotiations. You don't know shit about life. You just don't. You don't know how this stuff works and how anything is renegotiable. Scotty signed a bad deal. Jerry Reinsdorf goes on record saying he said he shouldn't have signed that deal, which, whatever, dude. You're yeah, the, whatever. You're the owner. Then don't make him sign it. Yeah, then pay him more money. Yeah. The, the, the ridiculous nature of that. Things are renegotiable. The, the fact that the Bulls, and I put this on the owner, obviously because Because he did it with Phil Jackson. He paid Phil $6 million. but And he did it, though. He went around... Jerry Krause, Krause. And he and he talked to Phil Jackson. And so that that's that's where the again, the underrated and sort of the disrespecting of Scottie Pippen, that's where it started. Like you don't have these without him. Treat him as such. Yes. You know? Um that's and Charles Oakley makes an appearance in this documentary, and I I can't wait to talk about that, but Charles like he didn't even win championships in New York. And that's why the Knicks fans hate James Dolan. It's like, respect the guys who did it for you. Yeah. Like, show appreciation. They're your workhorses. You're the owner. You're making money because these dudes are winning championships. The, like, go into your pocket and be like, you deserve better. The thought of Scottie Pippen being the sixth highest paid bull and the 122nd overall in the league, again, a guy who has brought you six championships. A guy who was on the dream team. Arguably the best defender in the league for years. Again, arguably the best all-around basketball player on your five-time world champion basketball team. Arguably. It's just so disrespectful. It, I'll tell you one thing. If I was Scottie Pippen's agent, that's the argument I would have made. Scottie Pippen be way more rich if he had had Joe Prano doing some contract negotiations. But I'm glad that they gave a background into Scottie's story. That he signed that deal, he had an ailing father and brother, and brother. He had twelve siblings. He, he had up- he had he had no idea what day, if any, he was going to fully turn into Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had all these people to support. So if you're the Bulls, yeah, just pay the guy more money. You know what? I watched it with my girlfriend and. It's it's a ridiculous, like silly, like uh, non real sports fan thing to say, but it's also totally reasonable. When she said it, she go, she was like, "Why didn't Michael Jordan just give him some money?" And I was like, "Cause he's an asshole." And it was literally my response because Jordan is making thirty million a year, but forget the thirty million a year in salary he was making. The Jordan brand had been a thing for like a, a decade. decade. Yeah. He, Michael Jordan had plenty of money. Take care of uh, your boy. 
Yeah, and I I, I, I got to say, like, that's all, that's just that's all that's like a mafia way of handling. Okay, the boss is lying against you. Well, you're not. You don't work for the boss. You work for me. You're in my crew. I'm a I'm a Don, and you're coming in me. I'll take care of my guy. Here's a little bit under the table. Yeah. Now maybe Michael was doing that, but I feel like they would have said that. Michael Jordan doesn't seem like the guy to not tell the documentary filmmaker that he was throwing Scottie Pippen hundreds of thousands of dollars under the table whenever he needed it. And I'm not going to join it. Like I'm not all about hey, let's just shit on Jordan parade because obviously. No, no, no. Hold on. Before I say, I'm, I'm prefacing that before I say this, because I'm not like. But I even tweeted it out. But the balls on Michael Jordan, dude, you look so bad. To still say, to this day, this wasn't an old clip. This was the new clip. Yeah. The balls on Michael Jordan to call Scottie Pippen selfish for how he handled his injury and basically not playing. To this day, Michael called him selfish. It's like, dude, you just said yourself, there's no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. And you're calling him selfish because Luke Longley and Ron Harper are making more money than him on the Bulls? Luke Longley? Yeah. I got to say, I think Phil Jackson comes off spectacular in the thing because, you know, you can, you know, I talked about him being sort of the Zen master last time, being this, like, ego manager. You could see Phil Jackson getting some shit for not sorting this out with Scotty as well. Like, I got to give Michael Jordan some shit for it. Like, you're the guy. You're the dude. How do you even let it get to this point where he doesn't, get his foot taken care of and comes late, but then go up the flagpole and say like Phil Jackson. But also I feel like that's why they win because Phil Jackson doesn't get involved in that situation. Cause he's just like, man, you know, if the guy is not going to be happy, he's not going to play well. And if I get involved and, you know, settle his, con- then now it's just uh, who's am I siding with and blah, blah, blah. So he was just like, he's going to figure it out. Yeah. And he had a very, he really comes off as having a very like the these guys will sort it out kind of thing and it works and like it's it turns out Phil Jackson's coaching style is like uh you know relax stay cool and also every once in a while I'm going to laminate our preseason playbook with some like catchy phrase like the last dance <laughs> He's like the year before we had the the second of the three dances The whole thing is fascinating of they had such a cohesive unit, though, that worked. Jordan is on record saying, I will play for no one but Phil Jackson. Yeah. Jordan is also on record saying there's no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. So, So, of course, Jerry Krause was like, well, you can come back or you can't. It's totally up to you, but I'm getting rid of Phil and Scottie. But that's the crazy part is that... You always thought, or at least, you know, me, because back then I was like 16 years old when the Bulls won their last title, was, oh, they're just going to go out on top. Whereas this documentary shows, no. If Jerry Krause wasn't such an asshole, Phil would have coached another year. Jordan and Pippen would have played another year maybe together. Like, who knows how many rings the Bulls could have won. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm on the record as saying, and I put it in a tweet, and it was a bit of a troll tweet, but it was also not a troll tweet. I also believe every word of it. Uh, but it worked out perfectly for the Jordan legacy, for the Bulls legend, for the Phil Jackson legend, for everything that they didn't go. Michael Jordan certainly had the attitude of I, 
am going to keep defending my title until I lose it. Why wouldn't I? Right? But everybody likes to say the killer instinct, the never quit, the, you know, if you put an obstacle in front of Michael Jordan, he will find a way to overcome it. He's a killer. He's, he's just no one's ever had the will to win like Jordan. Well, when Scottie Pippen wasn't coming back to the Bulls and Phil Jackson wasn't coming back to the Bulls, Michael Jordan wasn't like, well, I'll, I'll overcome these hurdles. He was like, I should go too. Yeah, I also should tap out. This is the time. Because I said in my tweet, what teams do I have better than the 96 Bulls? The 99 Spurs on, basically, because we trans- transitioned into a whole other era of basketball, and Pippen and Jordan showed you it throughout their whole career. But the Duncan Robinson, the last couple of years of Robinson, with a brand-new rookie in Tim Duncan, they get a championship in their second year. They have two stars. They have... Greg Popovich, they go on to win five championships. I'm not sure the 96 Bulls team beats them. And then you go into a whole era of stars lining up together. Phil Jackson going to the Lakers and doing the, and taking what worked in Chicago and bringing it. Well, I have the best player in Shaq. Let me get a complimentary guy in Kobe. Let me run the same thing. Let me be the Zen master. Let me win a bunch more. Right? You telling me, like... We always hear the, could this LeBron Heat team have beaten the Bulls? Could this Lakers team beat it in the Bulls? But we never hear, what about the teams that beat those teams? Could they have beaten the Bulls? I mean, that Pistons team shit on those Lakers teams. Like, could they, they couldn't beat the Bulls? It's like we disrespect some basketball teams. And I think that we went into an era where more and more there was Pippen and Jordan somewhere. And I'm just not sure, you know. With the style and the quality of basketball in the mid-90s, like th- that was the best team ever. But my tweet was, the Motorola StarTech was the best phone I'd ever seen at that time. Yeah. It's now a piece of shit. Well, well the, the difference, if you're an actual fan who's watched the evolution of the game, the difference is back then, and you talked about it earlier, you had one star. The, di- the lack of depth. There is so much depth in but, talent. But before that, there was a whole different thing. The Bull, the Celtics and the Lakers had depth, had crazy depth because it was the league was a totally different place then. Sure. And there was, I mean, it was one point where the Lakers were, you know, one of the best teams in basketball, and the Celtics were one of the best teams in basketball, and they're getting Bird and Magic one two, like. It was totally different, and that's why then you had these teams, and they would go at it every year or every other year, you know? And then you go into an era after the Bad Boys Pistons. That's when Jordan, the the expansion of basketball to 32 teams and the talent pool, every team had one guy. The Bulls had the best guy. The Bulls also had, like, the sixth best guy. Yeah. Like, people act like... How did they do it? Like, that's how they did it. And Phil Jackson knew that. And and I said to you in the car on the way here, Scottie Pippen's contract might be more responsible for the Bulls winning those championships than drafting Michael Jordan. You just have, a you have like the sixth best player in the league. You're paying him $2 bucks. We talk all the time about the salary cap. And should you pay quarterbacks? Should you pay running backs? Should you pay, you know, a max deal to Tristan Thompson? Should you pay, like, 
people shit on LeBron James for getting Tristan Thompson paid. It was to the detriment of himself. Yeah. You know? He's just like, yo, it's my boy. We won a championship. Pay the man. It didn't help him. What would have helped him is if he had a Scottie Pippen on his team who's the sixth, fifth best player in basketball and is the 122nd paid. And then you're like, hey, Phil, sprinkle a little around on every big, dumb white center to come in and foul guys. Find one sharpshooter. Oh, and go get, you know, a dominating, rebounding, defending power forward and let's do this again. It is a good point that Pippen's low contract, I mean, it's catch-22. He deserved more money, but he made such little money, they were able to not only keep him and Jordan, but then add a Dennis Rodman via free agency. The, I, I have a feeling the Dennis Rodman episode that's coming next is going to be the last of the player profile episodes. I don't think... Bill Wennington is getting a full app. <laughs> I don't think Ron Harper is getting the the E sixty. Why, why no? Why no love for Tony Kukoc yet? Uh, Tony Kukoc is going to get half of an app about being brought in, about how they were enamored with him forever. They loved Kukoc. They were courting him. That pissed off Jordan. That pissed off Pippen. All goes back. Jordan's to leaving. 90- oh, you want to do this with a fucking Yugoslavian guy? All right. I didn't fight in the 1988 and 1984, 1992 Olympic Wars, so you can turn this team over a Yugoslavian. And then he leaves, and then Kukoc comes in, and then Pippen's throwing chairs because he doesn't get the last shot. But Kukoc is going to get a half an episode. But Rodman is the last full episode we'll get. Here's a fun Rodman because that's how deep they are. Dennis Rodman, I saw this yesterday, ESPN Stats posted this. Dennis Rodman led the league in rebounding for seven straight years. Seven straight years. And he made rebounding an art form. An art form. I'm telling you, if you have enough... I would watch those those games when he was on the Spurs. That was like, he did waste a little bit of peak power on the Spurs team, but man, Dennis Rodman, demolition man Spurs, he was like... The rumor, you would tune into NBA on NBC. The rumor was if he grabbed like 40 in a game, he was going to take off his shirt and his shoes. He was going to walk out of basketball and never play again. And it was like watching Pedro pitch. You were like, every time you tune in, you might get the mid-game retirement of Dennis Rodman without his shirt on. It was like epic. Dude, it was it was wild. If, if you haven't seen it yet, everybody's got to watch the 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. Yeah. He used to watch game film of how to rebound. Yeah. Like, the the guy was just... What a great, like, role to have and to be okay with. It's like, I'm just going to board. I'm just going to play defense. I'm just going to get easy buckets. And he excelled at it because he was never really about... Like, we're we're doing our own last dance on Dennis Robbins. You're going to hear all this stuff. I got to read this other stat, though. This is wild. This is from that Bulls team, the 97-98 Bulls team. Rodman had 16 20-rebound games and only scored in double figures in one of those games. So all he cared about was getting rebounds and playing defense. Yeah. There will never be another player like Dennis Rodman. And, and Prano's right. I used to watch Bulls games, and you, and the Bulls didn't have depth at all. Right. But you had the best player in the game in Michael Jordan. You had a top five, six player in the game in Scottie Pippen. And you had an, the best rebounder and a top five defender 
Like, I, the the funny thing is, we talk about super teams. You say you wouldn't see another player like that, but that's why I always say that that was why in my post about the uh, teams that could beat them. Like, you got to look at a like a Ben Wallace. Like Ben Wallace was that okay, and and, and that's why you go like oh these teams like I go man how deep was a team like that how deep was a team that was like stronger at a lot of positions than the Bulls had a guy who's just boarding just playing defense winning defensive player of the year like people kind of that that's my point it's like I know how good the '96 Bulls were and this '97 and '98 like I know I'm a Knicks fan you <laughs> you're not gonna out knowledge me on the dominance of the '90s Bulls I lived it. I, I bled it. It it almost killed me young. No, I am a I am the world's foremost killer bulls expert. You don't have to tell me. But also let's not suck their dick forever. I get the last dance is happening, but like yeah, there were teams. There's teams going on. And they set the standard for it. They did, and that's what I don't ever want to hear again. That LeBron started the super teams. That that Bulls team is without a doubt that second three beat a super team. And and it's by it's a, every statistical measurement, it's a super team in exactly the way like it. It is the equivalent. Okay, it's not the equivalent of, but it's second to only Kevin Durant joining the Warriors. Is Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman? This was, you know. You guys don't even speak to each other. If you see each other in the streets, you you must fight, right? In the 90s NBA, the bad boys and Michael Jordan, they spit on each other when they saw each other in the hallway. No, fucking Horace Grant left, went to the Magic. The Magic beat the Bulls, and Michael was like, yo, we lost a lot of rebounding, and I think we underappreciated Horace Grant. We need to find a rebounder and a defender. And, they're, and he was like, and Rodman's available? And they're like, but I thought you hate that dude. I thought you have to knife fight if you see him. And he's like, nah, he's cool. Bring him in. And he comes in, and he's and they're they're all friends, and they're. I mean, it's a banana boat team, you know. I don't think Dennis Rodman golfed a lot, but well, they well, they and Jordan were clearly fucking friends. No, they weren't though. But you know what I'm saying? I, I, like, I mean, not, I mean, on the court, but they're going to reveal this. Right. I know they talked about it. Rodman and Jordan never hung out off the court. I know. Look. There couldn't be more diverse styles in like Michael Jordan's like I didn't I'm literally golfing and Dennis Robbins like I'm gonna be at a strip club till seven thirty and I'll see you wearing at this a wedding game dress seven forty five and he's like whatever <laughs> just he's like just rebound and he's like I will and he's like I believe you he's like I'm gonna do meth all day and ride a a, a blow up rodeo horse he's like do you do you man but uh, you're gonna board tonight right he's like. It's what I do. I don't know. God, that third. I, I might rewatch that Rodman 30 for 30. But, it is but wild. my point is, it wasn't this. These guys would never join forces. Like yeah. everybody's saying, like, how dare. Well, you know, well, we know. Again, how dare Durant go to the Warriors? Dennis Rodman went to the Bulls. I'm not trying to disparage everybody younger, but you have different perspectives if you lived it. And we lived it. I, I mean, I think. I think that's why, and congratulations to you for being a listener to the Dirty Sports Podcast. We, we've lived the last, I've lived the last 30 plus years of basketball yeah. thor- thoroughly. Yeah. Um, I also don't care for the people who watched the Bulls and then were like, I don't like European players. I'm going to stop watching this. Too many three-point shootings. Also weighing in. 
Because you also have no context. Yeah. Yes, Michael Jordan was the single greatest basketball player of all time when he retired. Yeah. And, and that's the- and this Bulls team was more than just Michael Jordan, and it was in, like it's insane. And it set, it set a tone for the next generation of the NBA. I want to say something about Jerry Krause for a minute. He's getting destroyed, and deservingly so in a lot of regard. But he also built this team. Like, like it's it's such an interesting like dichotomy with him, right? Because he built the team, but he also broke it down. Yeah. I just want to say that. Like, let's not forget, even if you're a passionate Chicago sports fan, because I know how much they hate Jerry Krause. Guys, let's not forget. To, dr- to be fair, again, he didn't draft Jordan, right? I know he put a team around him, and I know he he brought in Phil Jackson. That's obviously, they talk about that in the documentary. But, like, it doesn't take a math whiz. And I get that he got Scottie Pippen. That's huge. I mean, come That's on. That's huge. But I'm also, I wasn't a war room assistant. Maybe the whole league was boning out over number five, Scottie Pippen, you know? Um, it's hard to watch those college highlights and and not think that they would be. He was dunking on everybody. He dunked on a whole conference of basketball. <laughs> I mean, they, they, it was they, also NAIA. Okay. Okay. I mean, he wasn't going against Georgetown in the final. I'm pretty sure when they, they I'm pretty sure the NAIA hoops that he was three feet over while he dunked on people <laughs> are the same height. They were 10 feet. You can't watch as high as Scotty Pippen is Spider Manning <laughs> like a gymnasium. It's just you and Moharis in like a 300 person gym. And Scottie Pippen's jumping over you. I get, I get that. It's, he's not dunking on Ewing. But turns out he was going to eventually. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've we've all seen the Ewing dunk. Pretty safe to say if, if uh, Scotty had been on North Carolina that year, Ewing was getting dunked on. Yeah, fair enough. I, I just, look, I, I'm not, I'm just trying to, See things from all angles, and I mean Jerry Krause, and but I mean, it, but, but what a piece of shit! Still, like everyone, I agree, it it just it's just you know you could see Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen getting to the point where they're berating him, but like also you know you're the GM, like you're in charge of them, so this it's kind of on you again. Phil Jackson also has to you know manage these people, and all of them are going. I'm not playing for anybody but Phil. Meanwhile, Krause walks in and they're like, hey, you short fuck, get out of here. Make a free throw. Get the fuck out of the gym. And they're like, what? <laughs> He's like, I'm the GM. They're like, get out. The Tim Floyd thing is interesting, though. Like, he had this fascination with Iowa State's Tim Floyd, who ended up being a disaster. Yeah. Like, you, you have Phil Jackson. Such a weird move. Yeah, it just got to the point where, like, also... The idea that they just had to rebuild was so dumb and reckless. But why, again, I'll bring it back to the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. Why does Ryan, like, at least with social media, and and you don't want to listen to social media. I'm trying not to read too much because there's too many idiots out there. It's like the owner's getting this pass. You want to say, dude, you're the owner. This is your team. And again, he did it for Phil, and he got Phil back, but but he convinced Phil to come back for one year. He didn't convince his own GM to allow Phil. Like, 
it, it's so dumb. Again, you've got Phil Jackson. You've got Michael Jordan saying he'll only play for Phil Jackson. Scottie Pippen was fantastic, and maybe you fucked that relationship up beyond repair. And maybe Michael Jordan does come back and play without Scottie Pippen. But Phil Jackson, easiest of them all to just be like, we'll keep you, man. You won f- six championships. Why is this? Well, you won five championships. Why would I not? Like, the idea that that's just getting in your own way. Like, Tim Floyd could be the next basketball genius. It's still going to be a half a decade if he comes in and wins right away that he'll achieve what Phil Jackson did. Yeah. And the idea that they needed to rebuild was so dumb. But again, like, there's so many layers to this. You know, Jordan wasn't coming back without Phil. And that's where that's where it ended, basically. Because then Phil came in and said, I'm not coming back. This is it. Let's do it one more time. So why did Jordan eventually play for the Wizards? What was that all about? Because Jordan didn't want to play without Phil, right? I assume that Jordan didn't. Here, here's my $2 psychology on this. He was like, okay, if this is, I'm not going to play without Phil, and so I'm going to walk away. This is the perfect time. We got six. I'm going to walk away. And then he was like, eh, I'm a psycho. I need to be playing basketball all the time. I wish I was playing basketball. And it ate away at him and it ate away at him. And he knew he would come back with Russ. So then he pushed it a little further and just came back when he was like, I'm going to be rusty, but like I'm also hella old. But I also bought the team and I'm invested. Well, and Who was the Wizards coach? Was it Doug Collins? Probably, did yeah. He, did yeah. he bring Doug back? Yeah. Because I know he had a good relationship with him too. Yeah. And then he comes back, he comes back knowing he's not going to like Dominate. Dominate. And also in a situation with the Wizards where he's invested, but he like he's like, this is a business decision, but it's also to show you I can still play at like a minimal level. Yeah. Like to also show you, you guys thought I was done, but three years later or whatever, I can come back and still compete with these guys. An average 20 a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, man. Yeah. But I think there was a middle ground where it's like, I would have, I should have stayed longer. Or I should have come back sooner, but then, yeah. But I, the truth is, Jordan quit because you know he didn't like his chances of doing it without Phil Jackson and Scottie Pippen. Well, I, you can't help but not think about Tom Brady, in my opinion. Well, and Ro- that's and that's the difference. And Bill Belichick is is you know Belichick sort of the seems like the the uh, Kraus figure in it a little bit. Like maybe he was ready to move on before. They were done defending it. But then they had to have this year where it didn't go well and they didn't make it very far. And that is where Jordan's legacy really is unmatched is because you ne- we never watched him do that. We never watched him come back down the other side. He left on the peak and, you know, good for him. Get out early. Get yeah. out early rather than late. It's done everything for you. As you know, in arguments about who the goat is, it's done everything for the goat argument because you walked away and you didn't lose the one on the other side of that or the two on the other side of that. Yeah, we don't have that because you can't play forever. Whereas we did have that with the Pistons, right. with the Celtics, with the Lakers. Absolutely. I mean, you know that, the, the, that all that, the injuries that the La- the Celtics went through. Uh, that was a hobbled the, the, old the, the, Lakers team the that old, lost the Bulls. The, yeah, the old Kareem. Yeah. Right? Who was their second guy. And Magic, Magic Johnson, obviously, like, we don't know, sick, not sick, whatever. Like, yeah. he, you know, he was retired a year plus later. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we saw that, and 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 that's been everything for the Bulls and Jordan's legacy. He, I'm sure he doesn't do it with Tim Floyd. Does he do it with Phil back and no Scotty? Does he do it with you know another well, team that Phil goes to? Well, in that regard, I can't think of any comparisons. If you look across sports, the Bulls basically two guys retired, Scotty Pippen left. There's no comparison of a team having a run and they blow it up without losing. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's I, I can't think of one. And we, and we just named a bunch of NBA teams where the runs, quote-unquote, ended. And you're right. It's it's cemented this legacy that we're kind of never gonna, we're never going to know. Even this year's Patriots, it ended because they lost at home in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And... You know, Tom Brady has just as many rings as Jordan. Yeah. But he's got more losses because he got there more. And he's not treated in the same vein. He's not treated in like five, six finals, six finals MVPs. Well, like nine, you know, finals, six wins. Like it's it's better to go more. Yeah. Tom, Tom Brady dominated, at you know, at the position like – in terms of legacy, again, it's not even comparing one single player on a football team to one single player on a basketball team. Michael Jordan had way more to do with the championships than Tom Brady. That's not the comparison. Just the way we're, that we look at our legacies. like Would you say it's about legacy, yo? I mean, I would say that, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. But I just think that there's a misjudgment in how these legacies are determined. But that's a big part of Jordan's, the legacy of never losing it. Even though it's like, dude, you lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Magic in 95 again. Like, it's not acting like that didn't happen. Was that even the Finals? or that, I think that was a semis. Semis. You're right. Yeah. Cause they, yeah, because they went on and win. I mean, that's my point. Is like, And by the way, it wasn't a seven-game series. It was six. Like, oh, he took 18 months off. It's like, guys, he averaged 30 in the series. How much more do you want him to do? I don't think was, he was tired. Yeah. I have some notes on the whole thing I just want to rip through. Just like things that happened while I was watching it. We're, we're an hour in the discussion. He's like, I got some notes. Right. I've always accused Mike Wilbon of being a low-key racist. He says, babe, which I feel like he had to include. Like the He doesn't do the Mount Rushmore. He does like the only guys on this like so great, there's no one like him. He does babe, Ali, Jordan. And I just want to say, I'm not even a hockey fan, but like it's a little bit of disrespect to Wayne Gretzky there. Like a 10-time MVP. Had more assists in a season that anybody's ever had points like no one's ever dominated their Gretzky was better at hockey than Jordan was at basketball so you know throw hockey a bone Wilbon well I mean that's sure that's a debatable discussion I don't follow hockey but yeah you don't follow <laughs> you don't follow hockey but you're like you know uh Jordan was worse than Gretzky is it I don't even know what that means I mean there's I again I'm not a hockey fan I think Gretzky was like league MVP 10 times he's got the most points ever he's got more ass- more points in just assists than anybody has points ever. Like, it's stupid how much he dominated. Just saying, Wilbon, like, may as well make it the four here and throw throw hockey a bone. Because I, I, just, I just felt like it, was, I felt like it was like a thing where it's like Jordan and Ali, and then he just kind of threw us babe, white people, Babe Ruth. Like, Babe Ruth. Get out of here. Ten hours of this documentary. This is what I also said to you before. We're not going to get any interviews with Leroy Smith, huh? We've got we've got five players. Explain to everybody who Leroy Smith is. Leroy Smith is the mythical figure 
that apparently was the last make on Michael Jordan's high school basketball team instead of Jordan. The cut came down to one guy. One guy's got to go to JV, and it was Leroy Smith, who's a player that Michael Jordan created in his mind, who was six foot seven and took his final spot on the roster. And he made the team, and Jordan didn't. Even though if you watch the NBA Storyteller on YouTube, which Andy Lyle shared with us, the, the second tallest player on the Laney basketball team was six foot four. So the idea that Leroy was the last cut at six seven, kind of reckless. But we have five players interviewed from Scotty Pippins, NAIA, Central Arkansas team. And we can't get the man Michael Jordan mentions in his Hall of Fame speech as the guy who drove him to be the greatest of all time, never again will a Leroy Smith come between me and my dream of being the greatest basketball player ever. I put Leroy's face in my locker. I stabbed it every day to practice my killer instinct. When I would play golf alone, I was playing against Leroy, and he birdied every hole, and so I had to be better than a birdie. There's this mythical thing that Michael Jordan created, and no one ever interviews him. Ten hours. We have the assistant coach of his high school team. We have the coach of his high school team. We have the girl who sold Kit Kats at the high school team. <laughs> because That's they it. were raising money for the local church, and she was selling them for $1. And she's like, I saw Jordan play, and it was amazing. This is the most in-depth documentary of the Chicago Bulls in history. Yeah. And Le- can we just admit, Michael Jordan, that Leroy Smith, it's did made, not exist. It's made up, yeah. There's a tweet going around that Michael Jordan used to use the name Leroy Smith when checking into hotels. That's how much Leroy fueled his career. Can we talk about, here's a weird random take. Can we talk about how good Michael Jordan's mom looks? How old yeah. is she? My girlfriend, same thing. She said she looks younger than Michael. She said that. She looks younger than Michael. It was unbelievable. She's got to be in her 80s. Yeah. Jordan's mom looks, like, can you look that up, Moharis? Five kids, all before the age of 14. She was just like, let's go. Like, how old is Jordan's mom? I was was watching that. Like, this woman has an age. It's like, black don't crack. I I bet you she's, I bet you she's 85. I've got more notes. Go for it. Uh, Charles Oakley. Uh, slapping Scottie Pippen in the face. In the face. What does five fingers say to the face? Slap. Slap. Uh, I feel like it was funny in the documentary, and it really gives you a glimpse into the uh, Oakley, Michael Jordan's protector, rookie hazer relationship. But I got to say, it came back to kill us like thirtyfold. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh no wonder Scottie Pippen made it his life's goal to eviscerate the New York Knicks. <laughs> you fucking slapped him in the face when he was a rookie. Like, had I known about this, I wouldn't have even bothered watching the series. He straight up slapped him in the face. He's like, what are you? What are you, the a senior at my frat house? Get the fuck out of here, Oakley. <laughs> Oakley promptly traded on and po- promptly embarrassed by Scottie Pippen every June. I mean, unbelievable. I watched that. I was like, that 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 haunted him. 
That, that must haunt him till this day. It must be why he drinks and yells at people at the Garden. Because he thought he was a tough guy back in the day. He's hazing the rookie out of Central Arkansas. He's like, your name's Scotty? How about just Scott, bro? Smack! And from that moment on, Scotty Pippen, he was his Leroy Smith. He, he was That slap fueled the rest of his career. Turned Pippen into a top five NBA player who spent all year practicing so that he could dominate Charles Oakley at Madison Square Garden and ruin a young Joe Prano's life. The slap that, the, the butterfly effect of that slap onto my childhood happiness. It's ridiculous. How old is she? She's uh, 78 years old. Okay, she's not as old as I thought, but still. She's 78. So she, she pumped him out. Yeah. Well, they had five. They didn't have that many. They had five kids. Yeah. But Jordan's, I think, like, what, 57 or something like that? Uh, Michael Jordan is 57, yeah. Yeah. So she had Jordan at 21. Um, my final note on the Michael Jordan dominates the Celtics 63-point game made me really happy that Walton was cursing at the idea I saw of getting that. switched. I saw that. I thought I of like, you. I was like, Bill, <laughs> now look. I thought of you. I get that, you know, you spend your days riding your bike around beautiful San Diego, having a burrito bowl, getting a matcha latte, and just cruising one of the most beautiful coastlines in all of this round globe. But when life was tough, you were dropping some fucks. You were dropping some F-bombs, Billy. Get out of here with your high and mighty. Do you boys do you keep it properly clean when you throw it down on your podcast? I was like, well, Bill, we swear from time to time. You got to think about you know going clean, which set the mood for Andy Ruther, who's turned into now a Christian comedian. <laughs> and uh, what? a Christian comedian. But I just got to say, when times are tough, Billy, you were dropping your swear bombs. Uh, he's turned into you know when life's easy. It, it Burrito is, bowls and bicycles. It's it, easy to be super happy all the time, isn't and, it, Bill? And I'm glad. Throw down a fuck from time to time, Bill. Go to that Starbucks and say, oh, got switched on Jordan, this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> throw it down, Bill. Throw. When's the last time Bill threw a motherfucker down? Can you imagine Bill Walton those knees trying to guard young yeah. Michael Jordan in the perimeter? Can you imagine the, the the swear words that must have come out of Bill Walton as he as you get Jordan at like fifteen feet? You have spent you have spent the last fifteen years of your life getting banged up down on the low post and standing for four to five hours at a time at Grateful Dead shows while they go on endless guitar solos, and your body is just and suddenly you have a young twenty two year old Michael Jordan in space like fucking cunt. <laughs> Jesus, can you motherfuckers help me here? Throw it down. Throw down a double team. I'm getting fucking murdered out here. I'd rather Jerry Garcia fucking die than get Michael Jordan at 18 feet coming off a pick. Throw me a fucking double. Get fucking Ainge out here. Throw <laughs> Ainge, throw it fucking down one time. <laughs> Christ's sakes, mother cunts. 
You're like, geez, Bill. I thought you didn't swear. He's like, I thought you fucking were guarding Jordan. Trash. Call out a pick. I said fucking switch. (laughs) And he's wearing that headband, which makes it even funnier. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is exactly turn what... turn a young a young Jordan turned Walton into the Unabomber. He just kept <laughs> letting that hair and the beard grow out, and he moved to a cabin outside of Wyoming. <laughs> Came back a Christian with uh, uh, with a ten speed. Oh man! Walton was throwing down f bombs. Michael, he saw God. Larry Bird said Michael Jordan was God disguised as Michael Jordan. Walton saw God, <laughs> was born again. And now it doesn't swear anymore. Hey, you know, after Jordan, it's just California sunsets. It is crazy, though, and I'm glad we haven't talked about it too much, but I, but I will bring it up. The comparisons of young Jordan or a guy who's doing it all by himself and the team losing with, like, stuff LeBron's had to do, I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're so close. Yeah, look... I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, when you watch it, I don't think Michael Jordan took a three in those games. 63 points in overtime, pushing a team with four Hall of Famers to the brink just in games, in, yeah. the, play- in the playoffs. The depth of that, the bodies to throw at him. Uh, you know, Bird was, I-, I mean, obviously a special, like MVP, smart. Like, he knew... That, I mean, the, just the way he said it, he's like, you know, we had to let Michael get his. There was no stopping him. Yeah. They just had to find, and they did, by the way. They found their way. They let him get his. He got 63, and uh, they lost every game. And that's not a knock on Michael Jordan. No. It shows how great he was. And it's the same reason if you're going like, you know, well, LeBron, blah, 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 like, I said this. I respect that. I respect what Jordan did in that series so much. And people are like, it was only his second year. And I'm like, yeah. He was also 22 years old. At 22 years old, uh, LeBron James was appearing in an NBA Finals with Zydrunas Ilgoskis. You know, who's, you, know who, you know who LeBron's second lead is? Zydrunas Ilgoskis sounds like something that you would get when you got coronavirus. They're like, <laughs> we know you've got coronavirus because if you look here on your x-rays, you got some heavy Zydrunas Ogaskis <laughs> on your lungs. That's not a second banana on a world championship basketball team. At 22, that's what he was doing. But he gets criticized for losing in the finals Yeah, to a dynasty Spurs team. You know who the second leading scorer on the Bulls team was that year? Or, I'm sorry, the, the Cavs team? Take a guess. Booby, Boogie, Billy Miles. Uh, it was not, not Booby Gibson. Mo Williams. No. this is, Mo Williams never made it to the finals. The second leading scorer on that 2007 Cavs team that lost the Spurs was former St. Louis U alumni, Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes. Wow. Who, guess what he averaged in the finals? Six, 14 points a game. Six and a half points a game. Wow. Yeah. So, you know. That's basically what Jordan had on his team. You know, John Paxson starting. Yeah. And Jordan had nobody. Yeah. Jordan had nobody. But that's the thing. Just because you get boat raced in three games by the Celtics and score a lot of points, that's not better than going to the finals at the same age and losing with Larry Hughes. 
Man. Yeah. This isn't a Jordan LeBron thing. It's just like the perspective because everybody, it's still a documentary. Every documentary has an angle, you know? They didn't even tell you in the last dance that series went 3-0. They, they, they did like the Carson Palmer, it's a football life. And they were like, and the Bulls couldn't manage. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you got swept in the first round. I was shocked in the documentary because they've done a good job on showing how important Scottie Pippen was. And again, even Michael Jordan says it himself, there's no Michael without Scottie. They do all these flattering stats to show how amazing Scottie Pippen was. But they did omit the big one that a lot of people don't know, that Michael Jordan was 1-9 in nine in playoff games before Scottie Pippen. Yeah. And again, that's not a knock on Jordan. No one does it by themselves. No one does that by themselves. Every single team has needed... I mean, look, look what happened to Kobe Bryant when he lost Shaq. He was nothing. He until- wasn't winning playoff series. He, he, and and that's the thing. It's it's what does no one do on their own? No one wins a championship on their own. Yeah. Some people go further than others. Some people can manage. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon was on his own. I mean that that was the thing with that the two year break from Jordan. And again, he was back for the second one, so don't forget that. Who's but, the second leading scorer on those Rockets teams? I don't know. Cassell? No, because Cassell, Maxwell. Cassell was coming off the bench. Was but it, but was Cassell it, was so big in those playoffs, and Ori, and like those guys were so big. Because Kenny Smith was Dre- more of a facilitator. Dre- yeah, Drexler maybe on the second one, right? Because Drexler wasn't on the first one, and then he was on the second one. Yeah. Um, but the first one in the playoffs, I don't know. Vernon Maxwell? Uh, Mario Ellie? Like, I don't know. Who the second lead scorer was. Yeah. One of those guys. You know? And uh, he did it, but again, he did it in that gap. And you could say, like, he didn't have a second guy like that. And then Shaq and Penny were a pretty good one-two, super young duo. And they did beat Jordan. And then Jordan gets Rodman, and then they're back. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing with the Knicks and Ewing, and God, it kills me that this is bringing up so much. I'm glad Pat Riley only made one appearance so far, although he looked like Don Johnson. And <laughs> like, I mean, talk about has an age. You know, you know who set up the uh, the the Pat Riley shoot was like one of those photographers who works down in Miami who just shoots girls in swimsuits all day. He's like, Pat, I'm going to put you here. There's some bamboo shoots in the background. You're in front of a thing. We're going to set up a waterfall right here. We'll have two girls holding little soft lights on you. He's like, can I slick my hair back and put my feet up? They're like, make yourself comfortable. He's like, great. Can I get a martini? You look like a, you look like James Bond. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he only made one appearance, but that, that was the thing with the Knicks too. One star, right? One guy. I am going to be curious because obviously you alluded to it earlier. That was not those Bulls. None of those Bulls teams were deep. So episode three is going to focus on Dennis Rodman. Like, where do we go the last seven episodes? I think you're, we're going to get more into the like the season itself, the playoff push. Um, you know, obviously there's got to be an episode about the finals and the final game and the there thereafter. I mean, they got to cover Kukoc. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I think that's three and a half episodes, and then we start just going into what happened. I mean, you're already at eight episodes. Like, you only need a couple episodes to do. I'm sure the playoff push is going to be a big part of it. Yeah, and the aftermath. But again, the 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 Jazz had two stars, and that that was who they met in the finals for two years. 
where can I watch this? ESPN. <laughs> it's on Netflix too. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, sweet. A, it's a joint production. So what ESPN does is ESPN drops it on uh, Sunday nights, two episodes at a time. They drop it. And then the next day it's available on Netflix. So it was this, a... What a cross promotion. Yeah. So it, it's I think it's smart, obviously. That's but, great. Especially since like I had multiple people asking me for like my cable login so that they could watch it. And I'm like, look, it's Mikey's cable login, but have at it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so it's probably available right now, and uh, it's 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 really good. It's really really good. I think we covered all my other notes. So that was it. My final one was just with the wall and swearing, which is hilarious. Um, MJ should have stood up for Pippin the way he stood up for Phil. I feel like we covered that. And then again, I think one of the things Pippin's deal was almost again the lo- the length and price of his deal. On like it made the Bulls. They almost made the Bulls champions, like basically, yeah. Being able to surround them with other guys that always had always had a role. Phil Jackson then comes off great. I can't wait for more. I'm stoked. You guys made that sound so compelling. I don't know if it's just because it's 420 or what's going on, but I feel like all the stories you guys have gone through today, from yeah, the, you're high. The cop story you're, to every, I'm just like this. These all sound so compelling. I'm like, I need to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch this documentary immediately. He's like, when's Twerks that? is the guy who who gets high and watches infomercials. Yeah, he's like, babe, you don't understand. They made a boat out of glass. Like, I, I mean, it, they put this glue stuff in there. Should have seen the way the guy slaps it on. We got to get it. I could be wrong, by the way. Somebody on YouTube said it's not on Netflix in the United States. Wow. Okay. No. Yeah. Do you, do you have access to the ESPN app? Uh, I'll, 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 so. I'll take care of you. Yeah. Okay. By, by the way, he called me getting handcuffed for running compelling. He threw me in that everything like sounds so compelling. It, it, yeah. I'll, I've been on the edge of my seat this whole damn episode. Just you know what listening. keeps me on the edge of my seat, Andy? What? You know what always has me like on edge? Like I'm watching the last seconds of a 90s Bulls Knicks playoff series? Shaving my balls. Oh, really? I'm always like very nervous about it until recently. And now, every day is like a Bill Walton bike ride along the coastline of sunny Southern California. Because with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, 3.0, this is the, the 3.0 is the 90, the 96 bulls, right? Because then we'll see. There's more, there's more to come. Yeah. I, I shave my nether regions. With ease. Not oh, going to lie. So great. It's like a hot knife through butter. Guys. In the it's best. like Michael Jordan through a 90s Pacers team. And I'll tell you, here's what I love about Manscaped. Obviously, there's no sports on. There's a sport of shaving your nuts. There is. There's a lot of excitement, though. We're going to cover it here in a minute. There is NFL draft coming up on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And our friends at Manscaped are here to give your balls a new beginning, just like we have a new beginning for the NFL season with the draft. Guys, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and what I love is the perfect package is the 3.0 kit, which comes with, as I've said, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. And I have some of those here. We have the Crop Cleanser, the Invigorating Hair and Body Wash, the Crop Reviver, 
the crop preserver, which I, I love this stuff. This is the ball deodorant. Guys, handle your junk correctly with Manscaped. They literally have it all. They even have this amazing travel bag. I know Joe loves this. It's very spacious. It can fit all your Manscaped products. Take advantage of a great offer and get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code DIRTY. Manscaped is the best when it comes to men's grooming. Get yourself the Joe Burrow of trimmers, the lawnmower 3.0. And as a quick reminder, anytime you use Manscaped and you send me a promo code, or sorry, send me a screenshot, I'll send you some koozies on top of that. I will say I love all this stuff. I, the, the crop preserver. Mm. I, you said I love this bag, and I do, and the reason is because it looks classy. It's like a little yeah. leather. Like It's honestly got like the same texture as the as an NBA basketball. Oh, it does. Yeah, exactly. Little, little dots. And uh, also, sometimes these things are too big. Sometimes they're too small. And then you're like, what do I bring? This is the perfect size for like a, put it in your suitcase. Yeah. It's literally everything you need, including all these fine products for your undercarriage. Undercarriage. That's right. It's like when you go to the car wash. <laughs> like I'm surprised one of these isn't called the rust inhibitor. You ever see that at the car wash? Like, oh, $10, you get a rust inhibitor. We'll spray. That's not a California thing as much as like an East Coast thing. We'll, we'll spray down the undercarriage of your car Dude. with this stuff so that it doesn't rust in the, in the elements. Speaking of that, this show, you know, obviously I don't have access to like wash my own. You can't get your car washed with all this shit clothes. My car is disgusting. Do you know if this, you, you don't know because you're not driving. You won't, probably don't know either. Do you know if the spray places are open? They I think they are. They are? Yeah, I think so. Because the actual washes aren't. Who cares, by the way? It's quarantine. You wear sweatpants everywhere. Your car is dirty. You got a mullet. Like, who cares? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> you're, worried, you're worried about how you, people look at you when you're outside? Fix your mullet, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Have I gone full mullet? Yeah. Is it full mullet at this point? I mean, everybody's hair is getting loose. Moharis, is this longer than you normally keep your hair? Honestly, it's pretty normal because uh, I cut my own hair. So. You cut your own hair. Yeah, I've been doing it for like two years now. Yourself, like yeah. with your like with clippers, you just yeah. go through it. Uh huh. It's the most Native American shit I've yeah. ever heard. And then I have <laughs> I just have my girlfriend line me up in the back and stuff, the areas I can't see, and I just do it that way. It saves me so much money. It's expensive. <laughs> that's, that's why you got the Jack Johnson look, where it's like almost the same all the way around. Yeah, it's exactly. Like the, yeah. the classic twerks. I told you, man. I'll go. I'll go full mullet. Like this thing. Two more months. We'll trim the top. We'll give me. We'll give me full mullet. I, I mean, I think you, you you can already go you can already go soft mullet. You can already go Theo Vaughn. Just take the top up a little. You know, let twerks take the foreclip to you up top. Get that mullet going. Yeah, yeah. You could be like a Theo Theo Vaughn impersonator. God knows I'm not getting laid right now, so not like it matters. Yeah, this quarantine, man. I think twerks cutting your hair is a quality episode of the show. Quality quality YouTube content. If only we had somebody to film it. Nick, can you come back? I'll come film it. I've I got I've got a and then I'll shoot it. I'll DP it and we'll send it to Nick for editing. A dirty sports production. Good luck with his internet, bro. He got that satellite internet. Well, what, what, I've come up with a plan for Nick. When we send him stuff, we send him 
a bonus like five bucks for like a cold brew and we send them to the library. Dog, go to the library and libraries aren't open. Are libraries closed? Yeah. Wow. Can't which, get a can't get a public book these days. Which, I'm in quarantine. Which I, you know what I have me- I legitimately have issues with that. No one goes to the library anyway. Like if you want to social distance, go to the library. But that's my point. So so because the problem now is Amazon is backlogged on non-essential items. So like I tried to buy a book the other day. I think I told you this. They're saying estimated time of arrival, May 10th, for a book. I got all this time. I want to read books. But then the library's closed? I mean, you have an iPad. Get no, you know, download. Screen, man. Screen. These things are evil. <laughs> Aaron knows. It hurts your eye. Like, I don't, I'm not well, a, I wear sunglasses exclusively 24 hours a day. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who's like, I, I, I can't be looking at a screen too much. And I, I, I will never read a book on a screen. Okay. Something about, you know, just reading the book. I do both. I, re- I, I will go, if I want a book immediately, tablet. I'll buy it on the tablet. Yeah. Or I mostly read paper books because I can put them in my eye, eye line at home and I'm just like, fuck, got to get back to that. Are you going to watch the draft? Yeah. How's this going to play out? Well, did you see Schefter tweeted that no, I didn't see it. They did a mock. They did like a test draft, and there was technical difficulties with the Cincinnati Bengals' first pick. So they made it zero picks without an accident. So this is going to get interesting. There's also talk. Dave Gettleman uses AOL dial-up to connect to the Internet. So yeah. that, that can't be good. That could be a problem. Yeah. That the uh, Detroit Lions, are uh, they have their home draft war room in Caledonia, Michigan, where they only use five-bit satellite <laughs> internet. So they'll be doing it at the Caledonia Public Library in hopes that they can connect to the internet there. Yeah. But the library's closed, so they set up their war room in the Caledonia Public Library parking lot. <laughs> and they're just connecting to their Wi-Fi. So this could be a debacle. It could be a debacle. But like, I feel like the NFL... I do feel... The draft has become, I mean, I was looking forward to going to Vegas and being at the draft this year, but I do feel they've taken this draft thing too far. I know it sells TV rights and whatever, but look at the the uh, Jordan-Pippen drafts we had back in the day. It looked like an old friar's roast. It was just a people up, like a bunch <laughs> yeah. of people, 12 guys on a dais at the front of the room behind like a table with a curtain hung on it. Six guys out there yelling out, we'll take Jordan. And with the third pick, uh, they go a little overboard with these drafts. I don't need to know from Mel Kuyper, like what this guy was eating at the, you know, how he was spending his $12 a day University of Alabama allowance, even though he's 545 pounds. Yeah, I didn't see that tweet. That, wow. If they couldn't even. Go one pick. Although it's also the Bengals. Yeah. The Bengals should mail their pick in right now. Like, just to make sure they got it. No, but we know how cheap, like I talked about on last episode, yeah. the Bengals owner is. I mean, he's... He... You talk about... I think he. I think I, I heard that he rented a closed Skyline Chili <laughs> to use their <laughs> Wi-Fi. Uh, the, the entire personnel department, coaching staff, are in a Skyline Chili in outer Cincinnati. I hope it's on the one that me and Cutter used to work at on Beachmont Avenue. 
in and, and Anderson and Township. And the pick, they missed their first pick. The reason they had trouble is the guy, the guy who was in charge of putting it in, he was eating chili on top of spaghetti, which, as you know, is a mess. It, it goes everywhere. <laughs> and it got everywhere. It got on his keyboard. Yeah. He didn't know if you should wipe it with his hands or a napkin. He goes with the napkin, hits a bunch of buttons, right? They accidentally took 201. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. What a what a debacle! But I'm into it. I love chaos. I do have a little bit of uh, you, you know, Heath Ledger, Joker slash my brother John in me. Well, like I just like to watch the world burn sometimes. See, and so do I. That's why there's a part of me that was like, I'm gonna, you know, jump over this police line and let's see what happens. There's definitely there's definitely the chaos thing. I'll just say it: nobody wants to see people die. But there's been part of me who's like, eh, let's see how this pandemic plays out. Like, there's there's a lot of chaos here. There's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, especially when you're out there disregarding blatantly posted police signs. Yeah. Savage. I, I have really enjoyed. Have you thought about adding? I'm just throwing it out there. Have you thought about adding mid-calf cops as pig socks to your running outfit? Just get a little, a little nod to our boy. He's more your boy. Wow, he is my boy. But you've embraced his culture. I don't know if I've embraced his culture. You're like cops shouldn't shoot people just for doing although, nonsensical things. Although I, I'm did, gonna go out there and prove that. I I feel like you are like Colin Cat. Like you're helping the cause by being white and just doing the stuff and not getting choked to death. Like try selling Lucy cigarettes on your next run. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was happening to the guy in New York who got who got choked to death. By Eric Garner. Yeah, he was selling loose cigarettes. It's so, unbelie- the cops, so the cops murdered him in it's cold un- blood. It's unbelievable. I tell you about the game. That's how about the game of chicken on air. When you run now, it's like a giant game of chicken. You you run you're running and somebody's coming the opposite direction. It's like who's gonna flinch first and move over? Where you never had that problem in the old days. I don't run much. So like people are so scared of the COVID, right? Like I'm I'm undefeated. You talk about it's like your old jokes about, you know, drinking and driving, undefeated. Like yeah. I'm undefeated with this. I'm not moving out of my way. Like it's kind of a funny game. That- Isn't a polite thing for you guys to both move a little bit? It would be. Again, I'm trying, you know, dude. I'm bored. I know you're out there with a the mask on. You're out there with the bandana on. You feel like an old train robber in the old west, just jumping police lines, playing chicken. Yeah, yeah. Dial it down, dog. Do you have a treadmill or something you can run on? Dude, there's nothing. <laughs> Twerks, are you exercising during quarantine? Uh, yeah, my uh, twelve ounce curls. Made like a little like routine for my girlfriend and I. We just do it throughout the day. Well, what is that? Tell me about this routine. So it's like each day is labeled like chest he's, core. He's holding core, her in the air. She's whatever. holding him in the air. You know. Yeah. I just have like uh, totals for like each workout we wanted to do or want to do. And then we just, uh, yeah, you just do what you need to do to reach that that quota for the day. It's just Monday through Friday. I started adding push-ups. You, sorry, go ahead. I started adding push-ups and sit-ups on top of the running. So... Basically, I'm going full prison shit now. I've started walking upwards of two blocks at a time to get beer. 
it's a marathon for me, but you know. I will say that documentary had me turnt last night. I feel like you're on the road to, to full blown like vigilante right now. <laughs> like you're gonna be out there pretty soon in like a specific outfit. Doing what? I don't justice. I don't know. <laughs> justice. Justice for who? The people. I don't Miles. know. Miles. Yeah. Whatever, justice whatever. for your neighbor. No. Wh- wh- I mean, wh- you are basically the Joker and Lex Luthor and the Penguin live in a tent outside your place. They're stealing the whole neighborhood's bikes. That's. That's the justice. Are, are you Batman? Oh, I thought about. Or are you Robin? I thought about thing. Yeah, Robin doesn't go out without Batman. I agree. I thought about thought about ways to handle those tents. Trust me, th- that stuff has gone through my head. Somebody tried to light one on fire. Somebody went full Joker. No, that was a homeless person. Yeah, who I lit know. her own shit on fire. Mildred is literally taking Savage Town to a new level. I feel like. That's Savage Town, and you just live in Savage Town adjacent. I agree. Like, that is... It's a new level. There's a structure out there. I can't get over it. <laughs> it really is an abode. <laughs> I buy a structure, I mean, it's it that really old is. 90s jeans store that used to be yeah. in the mall. They're selling sweater vests out there. They're selling... <laughs> you know how they do pop-up stores? It's a yeah. pop-up store. Yeah. It's a pop-up store for... For bikes. With your bike. What yeah. do you guys sell? Your bikes. It's full-blown inventory, I think, out yeah. there. Yeah. It's... I walked by the other day. He's like, "What do you need? A cruiser? What do you need? Uh, what do you need? A ten speed? You run? You doing a triathlon? I got tri bikes in here. It's unbelievable. Bike? He's like, "What do you? You need? You need one f- with a basket? You going to pick up groceries? Like, this guy's selling me bikes. Let me a- let me ask you something. It's the four twenty episode, and we don't have really much too uh, too much else to talk. If you could get if you could get stoned with Bill Walton, <laughs> it, it's Bill Walton. It's gotta be. Come on, how yeah. you not? Any former or current athlete." Bill Walton? Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. I just feel like he knows all the right people. Like, we're going to be in a teepee in San Diego. You get some good conversations. Yeah. I mean, basically, you can talk. If you're you're doing it with sports, like, I'm thinking of an athlete that's retired that I can talk the game with them, get, like, really down and dirty. Like, if I want to talk to Joe Montana about football, but then suddenly Joe Montana's high, Joe's going to be all paranoid. He's going to be thinking, I'm, you know, who is this guy? I'm not sure I feel him. It looks like he's going to sneak in my closet, steal my sketchers. Like, I don't know. Bill Wallen's just going to embrace you. What do you want to know? You want to know the words I was saying when I was switched on to Michael Jordan in a playoff <laughs> game? I'll tell you. We're in the, we're in the safety of this TP. This is the circle of trust. I said cunt 200 times. <laughs> I called Rick Carlisle a cunt to his face in that game. Carlisle's out there on the wing with him, right? He doesn't even get a pick. He just goes by Carlisle. Carlisle, like a fucking turnstile, <laughs> like a matador. I have been to Spain, and I have seen the matadors. And Rick Carlisle inviting Michael Jordan into my lane unimpeded was he should have been wearing a pointed hat and a sparkly vest because he did nothing other than wave a flag at Jordan as he came by. And then I've just got Michael Jordan full head of steam come down to me and I go, I'm about to be on one of those glossy posters they're making for nothing now and selling at Foot Lockers. I'm about to be the next guy on a, on a basketball cor- card. And I look at Carlisle and I said, Fuck you, Carlisle, you <laughs> fucking cunt. Are you kidding me? Foul him. Put up a fight. Do something. <laughs> Rick, what are you doing, Rick? I will say it's a little disappointing that we haven't seen 
Bill Walden actually on the documentary. But you know what I have enjoyed? Are you catching this? When they're showing a lot of old Bulls clips, yeah. Bill Walton calling the games. Yeah. And you can see that you can see the the aftershocks, like those acid flashbacks. He's like, here comes a great Michael Jordan, killer of men, demolisher of Goliaths. You should live in fear of Michael Jordan. You're like, easy, Bill. <laughs> here he comes. The people the people that this entire stadium is here to see. Like the Roman Coliseum. We're gonna watch him slay dragons. The way he slayed Rick Carlisle playing <laughs> Turnstile defense, 85. <laughs> Cunt, Carlisle. You're like, jeez, it's NBC. Dude, people forget games weren't on like how they are now. Like, if you wanted to watch Bulls games back in the day. NBA, uh, NBA and NBC was like, you got a weekly game, then you got all the playoffs. Or WGN. Yeah. And I don't know how it was for you being in New York. Like, as a dude in Ohio, you got WGN? Yeah. Did you get WGN? No. And I, That's what and I'm saying. I, and I didn't get... So I got to watch a lot of Bulls yeah. games. I, I got to watch Jordan Knicks, Jordan Nets, Jordan Sports Center highlights, Jordan uh, NBA and NBC, pl- all the playoffs, obviously. And and there was a lot of Bulls games. A lot of weekend Bulls games were the game... Like, the, the NBA knew what they were doing. Yeah. The, NBC's relationship with Michael Jordan was just... NBC on its knees taking loads. Like if Michael Jordan <laughs> wanted it, Michael Jordan wanted to do a Gatorade commercial on a Sunday afternoon for three hours. NBC's like, dude, we'll we'll watch you shoot an NBA commercial. Like we don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, there was there was plenty of Michael NBA inside stuff. I might, heard, it, might I heard, as well have been called inside Michael Jordan stuff. I was I heard Ahmad Rashad had a bunk bed in yeah. Jordan's house. The NBA inside stuff was what Michael Jordan was doing to Ahmad Rashad, stuffing him. <laughs> Full of Jordan, 90s Jordan propaganda. <laughs> what are we going to talk about this week? It's literally, we're going to do an NBA inside stuff about Michael Jordan's turnaround. <laughs> 22 minutes of Ahmad Rashad watching J- Jordan turnaround highlights and slowly caressing himself. People who get it, get it. And yeah. every, everyone else who doesn't get it, I, I'm sorry, you don't get, oh, yeah. get what Joe's saying. NBA inside stuff. Oh. NBA inside stuff was like the baseball, this week in baseball for the NBA but it was just a Madrashad boner. It was like if if Mel Allen just like jerked off to Ken Griffey Jr. He's like, welcome to this week in baseball. This week we're gonna take a look inside Ken Griffey Jr.'s jockstrap. He puts it on before he goes out of the field. He takes it off when he comes off the field. But every week those highlight catches and towering home runs happen with this jockstrap on. That was essentially what a Madrashad was doing for Michael Jordan. This week in baseball, Don Mattingly's mustache wax. (laughs) What is it? How does he apply it? How does he get it off? Does it cause any sort of sticky tackiness like a pine tar on his baseball bat? That and much more inside Don Mattingly's ass on this week in baseball. What was that guy's name? Mel what? Mel Allen, right? Dude, the, the shows we grew up with. Yeah. There were entire baseball shows of just people running into each other. Half hour. Infielders colliding with outfielders. <laughs> and, dude, it was great. They didn't figure out fly ball communication until, like, the mid-'90s. Because before that, guys were providing endless hours of content, just wailing each other, running into tarps, smashing into the wall. God. You you do 20 minutes of baseball bloopers, you cut in a little Philly Fanatic. That's a VHS series. <laughs> they sold more of those than they sold Now We're Talking Musics. Philly Fanatic for four <laughs> right. minutes. The Philly Fanatic was And they just a- sell it to you on VHS. 
like 12 bucks. How long is this? It's 24 minutes of baseball highlights, four minutes of Philly Fanatic. You're like, fuck it. I'll take it. Mom, buy it. She's like, it's $17. I don't care. I'll watch it 100 times. How many times can you watch Doug Drayback trip over third base? More than you think, Ma. The Philly Fanatic always made a cameo. Why? Just on a quad. Just messing with people. Just on the on the on the carpet, the disgusting veteran stadium carpet. Oh, just a green blacktop. Philly fanatic out there pinching people's noses. I mean, you you like how we grew up. I know I sound like the old boomer here, but when you had to watch this week in baseball or NBA inside stuff, there's so much content out but there. But that that's why, and you know, tie it all all back, and. Every single person of our era is guilty of it to some point, including myself, the world's biggest Michael Jordan truther. The you are enamored with the man. You were because you were because they're still doing it. They have built a legend around this guy. Yeah, and in his defense, he's incredible at basketball. He's hella charming, funny. Killed his commercials. Oh yeah, but like, there is a guy right now. On the internet, who saw like that "Be Like Mike" commercial, it made him cry every time. And now he has a grainy picture that his wife took of him driving his truck with wraparound sunglasses on that will murder you in your sleep if you don't say Michael Jordan is the goat. Because <laughs> as a twelve-year-old boy, it made him uncomfortable how much he wanted to be like Mike. How he would sing it in his room, like Mike. If I could be like Mike, oh, oh yeah, be like oh Mike. yeah. Okay, Aaron, that guy will murder you now. Do not talk I, I, about I gotta, anybody else being the goat. I gotta ask Aaron this because it's crazy. Like, you have a good point. I can remember as a kid at baseball practice for some reason one day we couldn't stop saying it. Like, my point is, we were saying a commercial and you put Jordan on such an upper echelon, like how we grew up. I gotta ask Aaron. Aaron, how old are you? Twenty six. So you were born ninety two. No, twenty seven. Twenty seven. Just in twenty seven. Jesus, how high is Aaron? Yeah. Twenty seven. So born I couldn't the, figure out if he couldn't figure out how old he was or how or what year he was born. 92. So you're born in 92. 92. So you basically remember none of Michael Jordan because yeah, none. He's five. You're five when he six when he's done. So so let me ask you this though, because we're talking about the like Mike commercials and how he was such an influence, and I was all Jordan, all Bulls, like the documentary says. Did you have anything like that? Because it's a different era. Like, was there a commercial of an athlete? Because I bet I'm gonna guess that he doesn't. Where you're like, oh my god, I was obsessed with that person. No, because I started doing a lot of like the uh, like combination commercials where it was like all kinds of players at once, like dribbling the old like dribbling the basketball commercials, you know, and they would pass the ball around. It was always like multiple athletes. Yeah, it was, it was never just well, like and, one. And that was the thing too the the shoe the branding of NBA guys to shoes that was something that started with Michael Jordan. Didn't really last a whole lot. There was a big drop-off after Michael Jordan. It saw a little bit of a resurgence lately with, like, Kobe's and LeBron's and KD's and, you know, Steph being an Under Armour guy. It's it's all—but it's not nearly at the level it was. I mean, the the Jordan brand thing, every every athlete tried to do it. And Nike tried to do it with other athletes. I mean, Dion had a shoe. Bo Jackson had a cross trainer. Like, whatever. It started with that. Like, that was a—that's that, Michael Jordan. And they figured out tie it to a guy, make the whole thing, make the whole campaign around this guy, sell this guy's sneaker. Yeah, Phil Knight was brilliant. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, Spike Lee was shooting Jordan Nike commercials and acting in them with them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's nuts. 
Um, and dessert, and it made it made it's made Mike, Nike tons of money and made Nike a brand. And I'm wearing LeBron's only because Jordan existed. Yeah, that's the only reason that that that's a thing. Sure, but at the same time, when we were kids, like you're saying, he Twerks didn't have that. Exactly, everybody in the '90s had a propaganda machine telling you. Like it's the it's the equivalent of the fifties saying like the Russians are gonna bomb us any minute. Like it is Jordan is a goat. Buy this product. If I, you don't if it, you believe it, buy this. It is underwear. crazy. Again, I I grew up right in a city without an NBA team. But every kid in my school, if you owned anything NBA, it was Michael Jordan. It was the Chicago Bulls. And we all were like we were all brainwashed, if you want to use that term. I mean, it's we all bought in, and our parents bought in because they bought us the stuff. Like I, I had one pair of Jordans in my life. I was in and out. I was like, I've got to go the other way. I can't. That was like peak. That was like 94, 95 Jordan, and then I was like, nah, I got to. I'm going to. I'm not a Bulls fan, and as much as I appreciate the guy, I'm not. I'm going. I'll get the Barclays. I'll get the pennies. You know what I have somewhere? I I, I wonder where it is in, in my uh, parents' house. I and I obviously it's not baseball cards, but I started collecting Michael Jordan basketball cards. I have so many. Mikey and I have a Coca Cola series from when he was at UNC. They're black and white UNC basketball cards, Michael Jordan that we found at a card fair forever ago, and we didn't think anything of them. It's just like cool college card, and I bought a rack of them. They're like they're like crazy. They like went off. I think they're like a couple hundred dollars now. Mikey's got them in Tupperware in his attic. Probably letting this kid put it in his bike tires. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan was the f- the former greatest of all time. What can what else can you say about the guy? It's a good it's a good uh, it's a good title to hold. Once heavyweight champion of the world, you know. Former. Former president of the United States. You know, it never gets less legendary. Former greatest of all time. I think it's an honor. You know, I'm honored to say I watched it. I'm honored to say the Knicks never beat the GOAT. And that's a great way to end the episode. You guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. Uh, Give us a call at 310 359 8365. Yeah. How, how long an episode was it? Take a guess. Four hours and 20 minutes. It's a little over two hours. Yeah, bro. Two hours and 10. Let's go to our half of 420, dog. Yeah. Come back tomorrow. We'll give you the second half. Get your Ease Rewards card ready. I don't use Ease, man. I don't I don't use Ease either. I, come on. You got to walk the dispensaries. I can't walk, Andy. Are you, just, are you just rubbing this in? Yeah. That's a good point. Twerks, are you even on social media anymore? Let me let me get you on the mic Is here. Is... DS intern still a uh, Twitter? Yeah. It is, yeah. I need to post more on it than I should, uh, but I'm still out there. <laughs> we need. But, we'll, we're gonna hook you up with the ESPN thing. We want the we want the DS interns live tweeting the first two episodes of The Last Dance. You don't All have right. to live tweet that, it. That works for me. Why not? Why not? Oh. I'm trying to get trying to get Aaron involved. You see how I'm more of a LeBron, more of a sharer. Andy, control freak. Andy Jordan. Andy wants it on the blocks. Get away from me. Twelve <laughs> feet away. Hey. 
You stay over. Nope, 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 nope. Double teamed. Me, I'm dishing. I'm providing. You know, a no-look live tweet to Aaron. Get that bucket, son. It's funny you brought up the are you even on like social media. I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but I've noticed I'm on my phone a lot less because of the quarantine. Yeah. It's, it's like there's, there's other things. No, it's funny. I did notice my phone time has been down big time by a couple hours a day. Yeah, I'm, I'm never on it. I'm just like there's other screens to look at, I suppose. I yeah. I, I'm probably on it less, but it's, it's, I don't think it's much. I'm just basically on my phone writing or watching hours and hours of movies. Which is great. Let's see if I have any recommendations for you. And do you have any, any plugs to get here? No, but uh, I'm watching every James Bond movie from start to finish. And I'm, uh, I, I just can't do, I can't do what Joe Prano does. I, I'm struggling. Not that I don't like the movies. I do. I'm on number four, which is Thunderball. I mean, also, you got to mix it up, dude. Like, you, and you just, you're just going, like, there's not a whole lot. Like, Bond is pretty cookie cutter. Like, it is. It's hard, it's hard to go, like, episode after episode that are two hours long of, like, then he gets away, and then he sees a chick, and then yeah. he bangs her, and then he hits a guy with his gun. It's like, I love the Bond movies. I've, I've watched, I think, four... Maybe four Bond movies since quarantine has started, but like, I watched Ford versus Ferrari the other day. Solid, solid flick. I liked it a lot. Um, I won't. I won't. There's there's sports stuff worth discussing in it, but I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. So go, uh, go watch Ford versus Ferrari. I thought it was great. What's the? Uh, is it called Pandemic? Is that uh? What are you asking? What this is called? Why we're quarantined? No, there's that movie uh, on Hulu that's real popular. Movie on Hulu? I don't know. Is it called Pandemic? Parasite? Oh, oh Parasite! Jesus, I'm high too. Yeah, I saw Parasite a while ago. It's good. People bonered out over it hard. It's really, really good. I wasn't like it's the greatest thing of all time, um, but it's really good. It's worth that's watching. One, is it free? That's the one that won the Oscar, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's free on Hulu, I, yeah. I believe. It's good. That's definitely worth watching if it's yeah. free. Hulu, I want to talk about Hulu's interface is terrible. Like, Hulu versus Netflix and Amazon. Like, Hulu, to get the info, I can never figure out how to get the info for the full description. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always like a weird button, and then yeah. it's like it never takes you to the series page. It just makes you start watching something randomly. Yeah. I, like, I don't want that. Yeah, I don't do Hulu much. Maybe that's why. Um, get your interface Amazon, together. Am, I gotta say, props to Amazon that are—they're the closest yet to like going up to their search, searching for something, and then telling you where it's available. Like you being like, watch on HBO. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Amazon, good shit. Send me elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, that's the show. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your 420. Good to have you back, Moharis. Hopefully, we'll see you more in the future. Watch a movie. Watch <laughs> watch The Last Dance if you haven't seen it yet. And most importantly, get high and stay dirty. <laughs>